Like, I know some fools that are selling drugs and say they love God and would tell you to your face they're Christians. I just tell you they're lying. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to keep my word. You're not going to kill people by selling them poison. Oh, come on, somebody. Somebody needs to hear this today. So there's somebody else here that's sleeping around with people that are not their wives, but they would tell you, oh, I love Jesus. And Jesus says, if you don't keep my word, you're not loving me. Ask your neighbor, can you handle this today? Because I'm just, I'm just reading you scriptures, and I want you to hear my heart while we're spending time on this. Because God is not, this is not a message of judgment, Right? This is the message from a loving father saying, yo, get this right. If you just fix this, I can bless your socks off. If you just repent and go another way, the issues that you're having in your life, I can work on and I can fix. But you ain't never going to get peace. Claiming to love God, but not keeping his word. Tell your other neighbor, that's a good word right there. So, so this is what we're talking about here. So we're defining what it means to love God. And Jesus says it's very clear. If you love me, you keep my commands. If you love me, you keep my word. If you love me, uh, first of all, you'll know his word. My wife talked about last week the, the, the shame it is that people would call themselves Christians and not know the Bible. Not have basic Bible knowledge because we won't pick it up and read it every day. We won't take some time to just read a few verses. We won't, we won't take some time to learn what the Bible says so that you cannot be deceived by a lot of false preaching and a lot of false stuff that is going on out there. You see, before you can ever love God and obey His Word, you've got to know what His Word is. Can I get an amen? And we're trying to take away every excuse you got. This is why my wife wakes up every morning at 7 a.m. and does a Bible study. She's leading people all the way through the books of the Bible. Because it can be very confusing. That's why you need a teacher. That's why you need pastors to help break down certain things to you. You can sleep in if you want, but if you're going to love God accurately, you better learn His Word. Let's give you another word. We talked about this. 1 John 1, 6 and 7. It says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him, yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Did y'all catch that? We lie. We're liars now. We're liars when we call ourselves Christians, but don't have the fruits of the Spirit and don't live a life that has showed the fruits of repentance. That means when I said I'm going to be a Christian and I gave my life to God, I changed. things in my life had to change. There were some people I decided I can't hang out with them no more. There were some places I had to decide I can't go there no more. And it had nothing to do with if I wanted to or not. Come on, somebody, amen? It had nothing to do with was it fun or not. No, it came with the decision that if I'm going to walk with God, this is the path I'm going to choose. See, people are deceived. The Bible says here in 1 John 1, 6 and 7, we lie to ourselves and we don't practice the truth. Christians don't sleep around. Followers of Jesus Christ don't do that. 
Oh, but you know, we're, ain't nobody perfect, Pastor. Ain't nobody perfect. I get it. We all make mistakes. Everybody does. Can I give an amen? You make mistakes, right? Tell your neighbor, I make mistakes all the time. Tell them. Tell the truth, shame the devil. Amen? I'm not talking about making a mistake. I'm talking about making choices. And you know what you're choosing when you date somebody that doesn't know Jesus. And then you just can't go, oh, we, we, we made a mistake. No, you chose some things that led to that mistake. That's why the Bible says it's clear if we say that we fellowship with him, but walk in darkness, we're lying to ourselves, and we don't practice the truth. Look what else it says. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. There's certain fruit of having fellowship with God. That's why I always say, be careful of these folks that say, well, I could be a Christian, I don't need church. Be careful of them. Because the Bible tells me here, if I'm in the light, I'm in fellowship. Oh, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian pastor. I have my own relationship with Jesus. According to the word, if you're walking in the light, you're walking in fellowship. Which means you're gathering together, according to the book of Hebrews. Come on, somebody. Which means church is a priority in your life if you're walking in the light. What is the light? Well, the Hebrew meaning of light is knowledge. When you walk in the knowledge of the word, you walk in fellowship. That means this. People should know you at your church. I got real quiet in this Baptist church today. And it ain't other people's job to get to know you. It's your job to get to know other people. I like that right there. Amen. Tell your other neighbor, that's a good word right there. Because we like to go to a church and go, well, nobody talks to me. Well, nobody is inviting me out. Well, nobody ever came up to me and asked my name. Well, who did you ask whose name? Who did you invite to lunch? Who did you introduce yourself to? Oh, come on, somebody. This is Big Boy Church today, just in case you didn't know. Fellowship is a part of walking in knowledge. Let's keep going. We talked about this a little bit. Let's jump down now to 1 John 2, 3, and 5. Now, by this we know that we know Him. Here it is. If we keep His commands. There it is again. There it is again. Listen, the excuse of, well, Pastor, I'm sorry. I'm trying. Listen, I get it, and that works for a little while. We're all, we all start out as babies. But man, you've been serving God a few years now. You're doing something wrong. If, you, if, you, if you're still in the same mess, let somebody help you. Come on, talk to somebody. Get some help. You should not still be creeping, and you've been going to church for a long time now. Or you should not be going certain places. There should be things that are leaving your life as you serve God. And if it's not, I get it. I'm not trying to not be sympathetic, but let us help you. Listen, in my own conversion, I didn't just change overnight. Whew, you should have saw me the first few months of coming to church. Oh, man, I was a mess. Friday nights, boy, I was just praying, Lord, don't let me pick up this phone. Lord, I know who's calling me right now, and I know what club they want to go to. Lord, please, God, please don't let me pick up this phone. Because if I pick up this phone, I'm going, and guess what would happen? I'd pick up the phone. And guess what else would happen? I'd go out. And then I'd come back that night, tears in my eyes, feeling miserable, repenting. And here's the cool thing. Every time I did that, God took me back. But the Holy Spirit would tell me, how long are you going to play this game? How long are you going to play this game? How long are you going to stay at this level? I got things for you to do, places for you to go, people for you to reach. 
You want to keep playing this game of falling, getting back up, falling, getting back up. He said, I'll keep picking you up, but I got better stuff for you. And I feel him saying that to some of you today. If you just get on the Jesus train, come on, somebody. What is the Jesus train? Hear the word, do the word. Hear the word, do the word. Say it with me. Hear the word, do the word. Let me prove it to you. James 1, 21 through 24. It says, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Here it is. But be doers of the word and not just hearers, deceiving yourselves. Playing yourself. You think you're a Christian. You're deceived. You think you're loving God. You're deceived. James says, man, you got to do what you hear. Here he says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, but he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Now, there's a lot of wisdom in that. Think about that right now. Being a person who can look in a mirror and forget what you look like. Every Sunday, I'll hold up a mirror to you from this platform. I preach the word and I say, this is who you are. You're sons and daughters of God. You're free from sin. You're new creations in Jesus Christ. And we get the amens and we shout and we get excited, but we walk out of here and we go back to our old vomit, what the word says. We go back creeping with our own folks. We go back talking and acting and, and being something else. And it's foolishness. Lying to yourself. And so you allow this world, this word to change how you live. You've got to set this thing straight, y'all. There's certain things we don't do anymore. And it's a price. But guess who paid an ultimate price? Jesus Christ. Now, will we make mistakes? Yes. Will we have weak moments? Yes. But have weak moments, don't have a weak life. Some of our lives, man, it's just, it's pitiful. It's pitiful. You ain't trying. And we're deceiving ourselves. Are you tracking with me here? So look at Jesus. Uh, the book of James is saying this. We're followers of Jesus, so we're doers. Amen? We're doers. You cannot be lazy and be a follower of Jesus Christ. They don't work. Amen? We are doers. We hear the word. We do the word. We read the word. We do the word. Are you with me today? So that's where we've been at. And then we turned a little corner here. Like I said, we're having big boy church today. And we talked about a few weeks ago, ago Luke 14, 33, where Jesus makes a declaration. And he says this, in the same way, this is in the Passion Translation, in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything, he cannot be my disciple. Powerful, powerful statement right there. But when you look into that, in the Greek, what that term there, does not give up everything, means, means it basically means this. It means to trust God with everything. And Jesus is saying this, in the same way, you cannot, he who does not trust me with everything, cannot be my disciple. Are you guys seeing that today? What is Jesus saying? He's saying this, he wants your heart. That's what he's saying. He don't want the opposite sex to have your heart. He don't want a drug to have your heart. He don't want crime to have your heart. And he definitely doesn't want money to have your heart. He said, if you're not willing to trust me with everything, you ain't going to make it. 
you cannot be my disciple. We talked about this. What does this talk about? I believe in America today, the biggest thing we've got to be careful of is the love of money. Can I get an amen on that? Now, I know nobody likes to hear a preacher talk about money. I get it. I already know that. Okay? We don't like to hear about money in church. And I understand why, too, because over the last 20, 30 years, we've all seen the same news exposés on this pastor over here misappropriating funds and buying jets with tithe money. And we've seen all the reports of, of pastors that have gotten into trouble because of being funny with the money. Oh, I could get all that stuff. But what we need to understand is this. Those things do not change what God's Word says. Amen? we got to learn how to move through wisdom, right? You know, there used to be this thing where nobody trusted a used car salesman. I hope we ain't got no used car salesman in here. But guess what? We all still buy cars. Amen? We didn't stop buying cars because, oh, the used car salesman they won't rip you off. No, because we're smarter than that. You know what we do? We don't go to crooked people to buy cars. Come on, somebody, amen. We use wisdom. We do that with everything, right? Come on, even the medical field. How many have seen those reports where doctors are always getting sued? Saw one thing, a doctor cut off the wrong limb on somebody during an operation. The guy comes back too, he's like, why is this arm gone? Oh, well, we took care of that. You know, oh no, this was the arm, Doc. But we still go to the doctor. Can I get an amen on that? Amen? We just don't go to that doctor. Right? And in the same way, y'all, there's crooked churches out there. Believe me. Believe me. There's crooked pastors out there. Believe me. But we don't stop giving. We just don't give to those fools. Can I get an amen? Are you tracking with me today? And so people are real sensitive about talking about money. But as I told you a couple weeks ago, Jesus talked about money more than almost anything else in his three-year ministry. He talked more about money, listen, than he did about how to get to heaven and how to avoid hell. Did you hear that? There are more messages from Jesus about money than saving people from hell and getting people to heaven. Jesus talked more about money than anything else except the kingdom of God, which means how God does things. Those were his two main messages. I'll just be honest, some of us wouldn't have made it in his church. He'd have been like, dang, he always talking about money. But you know what? Why was he talking about money? You want to know why? Because he loves you and I. And he knows money is a part of our existence in You want to know why else he talks about money? Because God wants to give you money. Ooh, yeah, that's a good place to say amen right there. He wouldn't be a good father if he didn't have that heart. Come on, dads. How many dads in here would we want to bless our kids? Can I get an amen from the dads? Oh, we got tightwad dads up in this house today. We got to change it. You really need this message. Listen, a good, good father wishes he had more money to give to his children. Can I get an amen? I want to have finances to be able to bless my kids. 
And God is the best father of all. So it makes sense that when he's walking the earth, he's teaching about money because it's on his heart to give it to us. But you know what we've done in America? We've almost removed that message from preachers' mouths because we're uncomfortable. Can we be uncomfortable today? Come on, tell your neighbor, let's get uncomfortable. Not like that, though, not like that. Some of you said that creepy. Some of you said that a little creepy. Listen, there are 39 parables in the Bible. 16 of them deal with money. One out of every seven verses in the Gospel of Luke talks about money. The equivalent would be every seven messages you heard from Jesus, he was preaching about money. If I did that in this church, people would leave. That pastor's always talking about money. Check this out. There are over 500 verses in the Bible that deal with prayer. How many believe prayer is an amazing topic to preach about? God wants you to know about prayer. There's over 500 scriptures that deal with faith. That's because we're saved by faith. Faith is so important. But guess what? There are over 2,000 verses on money and possessions. 2,000. And you don't want to hear about money. You got a problem with the Bible, not me. And we got to settle this. We got to deal with this. Now think about this God is the author of the Bible. And he wrote it as a loving father for you and I to have instructions in the earth realm. If he loves us so much, shouldn't we pay attention to one of the things that he taught on most? Shouldn't we? Doesn't it make sense? Here's the thing. As a loving father, he's not trying to take something from you. He don't need your love, paycheck. He owns everything. He'd do a Jedi mind trick and have somebody send in a million dollars to pay for stuff. Come on, amen? He, he, he's got it like that. He's not in need of what you got. We're in need of what he has. So when you understand that, you've got to read the Bible and you've got to see, well, why is he talking about money so much? Let's just deal with it. Number one, we know it's not because he needs it. Number two, it's not because he's trying to get something from us. I believe it's because he wants to get something to us. But he doesn't want that thing to have us. Let me prove it to you. Luke 16, 13 through 15. Look on the screen there. Jesus is preaching here. He tells us, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. I always trip out on this scripture because I wonder, I always think, wow, God, Jesus, you could have said anything there. First, he's, he's, he's making a premise. You can't serve two masters. He could have said you can't serve God and self. You can't serve God and sex. You can't serve God and the flesh. You can't serve God and the deed. He could have said anything. But out of nowhere, when you read this whole chapter, money wasn't even the topic. He says you cannot serve God and money. 
And the reason he points this out, guys, is because most of us, that is where our heart is going to be divided at. There's not too many people in here that are, going, that are serving God now that are one day maybe going to be Satan worshipers. Well, I was reading that Satanic Bible, and they got some good things in there. I don't hear that too much. But you know what I do see a lot of times? Some people just chasing money to where they run after it so strong they leave God behind. They stop going to church. They get a new position at work, have new responsibilities. Now they're too tired to serve God. They don't have anything left. Their job, their career takes everything from them. When the weekend comes, they ain't got nothing left to give, and so they just beg you out. And we justify that. Could it be that's what Jesus is trying to warn us about right here? That there's something coming for your heart. It ain't the devil. It ain't just your flesh. It's the love of money. You read verse 14, it says here, the Pharisees, this is, this is interesting, who are the churchgoers of the day, <laughs> oh, they love money. And when they heard this, they started sneering at Jesus. That word sneering there comes from the Greek word misos. It means to hate. The church folk started hating on Jesus because he preached about money. Just like some of y'all are doing right now. I see you. I see you. Do a wellness check to the person next to you. Say, you all right? You okay? Come on, check on them. Check on them right now. So I see steam coming out of some of y'all right heads right now. Because we don't like to hear about money. Maybe it's because we don't like to hear about it because it's our God. Look at verse 15. And he said to him, said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others. But God knows your hearts. And what people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Guys, Jesus is talking about the main thing that's going to come for your heart, and it's money. It ain't the devil, it's the love of money. Now let's look at Luke chapter 12, 34. Luke 12, 34, you hear it here all the time, especially when they're receiving an offering or something. It's a reminder. Jesus preached this. He said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Also. You see, Jesus spoke a lot about money because he knew money, the love of money, I should say, because money itself is not evil. Amen? How many know money is not evil? You need money, amen? Money is good in the hands of the right people, amen? You should, you know, we, we, if, if money was evil, why are we working? Why are we going to college to get more of it? Come on. You know, why are we doing all that? It's not evil. Money is, money is not evil, but the love of money is. Jesus said you're going to either love one or hate the other. You know that word hate there, I said it before, comes from the Greek word mythos. And what it means there is unwilling towards the other. So what Jesus was telling you is this. You can't serve two masters. You're going to go all out for one, and you're going to be unwilling towards the other. Let me have your eyeballs for a minute. I've been in ministry now 30 years in America. It's amazing how many people come to church, but they're unwilling towards God. Unwilling. You'll take extra hours all day at work. 
If a new position came up in another city, you will uproot your family and you will go after that paycheck. You will be willing to do whatever. You'll sell your soul for more money, some of us. But when it comes to God, even though we preach the Bible, read the Bible, we still can't get some people to serve. Unwilling. Even though you know what it takes to serve God, repenting of your old life, some of us, we still carry in that old life every week. Unwilling. We know what the Bible says about giving a tithe, a 10% of what God has blessed you with, and we still got people unwilling. Listen, if there's unwillingness towards God in your heart, you know what God's showing you today? Something else has your heart. Because, man, when you get saved for real, your heart is like this. How could I withhold anything from my God? It's kind of like in the book of Deuteronomy when God was getting ready to take the Israelites into the promised land. He had Moses speak to them and he said, give them this instruction. He began to instruct them, when you get into the promised land, do these offerings all the time. Bring the first fruits, which is the tithe, to the temple. And he gave this instruction to the Israelites. When you do this, do this with the understanding that you remember what I brought you out of. He says, you give these offerings, you give this tithe, remembering you used to be a slave. Boy, I wish I could get people to do that. Because some of y'all have done forgot how jacked up you were before Christ reached down and snatched your soul up out of hell and gave you a new start and a new life. Are you with me today? Some of us, we start believing our own hype. Well, I'm saved, sanctified, blessed God. Yes, you are today, but there was a time when you were strung out on heroin. There was a time when you was an alcoholic and denying it. There was a time that you were abusing your kids, your family, the people around you, but Jesus came into your life and here you are today. See, when you remember that, how could you be unwilling? When it's offering time, you should be like, yes, God, if this is what you want, if this is what your word says, you can have it. Because I remember I used to be strung out. I remember how my life was without you. Can I get an amen on that? Don't forget what he's done for you. How dare we read his word and go, nah, I'm cool, I ain't doing that. How dare we read the word and say, no, nah, I'm just not willing to serve. I know they need help, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm busy. Hey, I'm busy. Thank God you wasn't too busy when you was up in your mess. Thank God Jesus didn't turn you away. And that's why uh, Moses told the Israelites, hey, remember, you used to be slaves when you give. You want to know why you got to remember that? So you don't complain about that 10%. So you don't sit here and go, oh man, ooh, this tide really hurts this week. You know what hurt? Being on that cross. You know what hurt? Forgiving you over and over and over and over and over again. Are you tracking with me today? Tell your neighbor, we're having big boy church today. 
So then Jesus says this, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. And I shared this a couple weeks, the hardest thing about being a pastor, the hardest thing about celebrating our 11 years is I'm looking through the photos on Instagram. I'm looking at people that used to be on this platform singing. But now all I see on their Facebook is them in bars drinking. I don't see them in church no more. Some people used to be, you know, in, in ministry, going on mission trips with us. Now they're not even serving God. Some of us in this room have family members. Man, they were on fire for God for about a year. Now, we're lucky if they come to church. How does that happen? Guys, as a shepherd, as a pastor, it breaks my heart. See, some of y'all don't realize when you leave church, we hurt because we miss you. We love you. We love you. And so, when I look past you know, these last memories of the last 11 years, it breaks my heart and I start having a conversation with God. I'm like, God, how does this happen? How is it, God, that there were people that I got saved with, went to Bible college with, and they're not even serving God today? God began to talk to me about Luke 12, 34. That this verse here is a key for you and I. Because the Bible tells us that it's those that endure till the end. Those are the ones whose souls will be saved. That's a profound thought. That means this. Praise God you're in church right now. Praise God you're serving God right now. Come on, give yourself a pat on the back. Give yourself a pat on the back right there. This is good. This is good. This is good. But guess what? If when you die, you ain't at, you're not in relationship with God, we don't get to be saved. Jesus says, you got to last till the end. you got to make it all the way through your life. All the years, keep carrying that cross, keep walking, keep going forward. Yes, there's going to be storms. Yes, there's going to be challenges. But you keep going because when you get to the end, you will be saved. But you know what breaks my heart? People that start this walk with us. And then they see something shiny in the distance. They see a girl, a guy, a job opportunity fleshly things, sin, and they get off of this path and they run over there. And guess what begins to happen? Their heart is snatched up. Jesus says it's the heart issue. And this kingdom key that he gives us right here is this. Where your treasure is, that is where your heart is going to be, not where your heart is. So what does that mean? Some of you need to catch this today. What that means is this. Your giving financially can direct your heart towards God for your future. I'm going to say that again. Your giving financially can direct your heart towards God for your future. Listen, I'm just reading the Bible to you. This isn't, oh, Pastor, where are you getting this from? Read the Scripture. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart would be also. Could this be why a loving father would tell his son and daughter, hey, I'm going to bless you, 
and you can do whatever you want with the 90%, but just give me this 10%. Because this 10% is going to assure that we always walk this 10% right here is going to assure that nothing else fills your heart. Could it be that that's the heart of the Father? But because we have an orphan mindset, we think God is trying to just take something from us. Or, or we stop even going by the Bible and we just start going by our feelings and what we see. And we just start going, ah, oh, these preachers, they just want my money. I told you before, if I was a preacher that wanted money, I should not have started a church in South Sacramento. I'm in the wrong neighborhood. So miss me with that. But yes, there are people out there. There are churches out there. And if you get the word inside of you, you'll be able to discern who they are and stay away from them. Don't give them a red cent. But listen, Jesus is giving us a key. And all you can see is money. Could it be that that's all you can see because that's your God? That's where your trust is? We trust so much in money. Oh, man, I just got to get that paper. Got to get that paper. Got to get that bag. Got to get that bag. Listen, you better get that Jesus. You better get that God, not that bag. And here's the cool thing, though. When you get that God, he gives you a bag. But he says this. 10% of that bag goes into the house of God. What's so sensitive about giving the church our money? When you start coming to church, what did all your family members say? Oh, you're giving that church your money? But they didn't say nothing when you was going to the bar and giving them all your money. Come on, remember what your drink tab was? They didn't say, oh, you go into the liquor store again to give that liquor store all your money? And they definitely don't say, oh, you drink a Starbucks again and give them all your money? But you come to church, and that's the first thing they're concerned with. That's the first thing they try to get in you. Oh, don't be giving that church all your money now. Why not? Yo, you don't think it costs money to have these lights on right now? Y'all feeling that AC in here? You know how expensive that is? Listen, we've got a house of God on one of the most expensive traffic area in South Sacramento, Florin Road. It ain't cheap. But we're here because 600,000 cars go down this road every day. And when they see Elevate Life Church, the Holy Spirit is able to go, mm, you better get to church. You need to find God. It's been a while. But guess what? They need cheap being here. It ain't cheap. It ain't free. But I wish it was. The owner of this building come and go, hey, y'all can have it. You're doing such a good work. Just take it. No, we had to negotiate. And we still have to pay that thing every month. Why is it the only place we want things for free is the church? And the minute we start receiving an offering, people get all hurt. You know who you should get hurt with? The Sacramento Kings. 
Because they're raising prices again. Y'all see that? Ticket prices going up. I went to a game the other week, uh, uh, last week. I didn't buy my tickets, so I got blessed. <laughs> I was glad I got blessed because they lost again. But they raised their tickets to see some losing fools, amen? And nobody's complaining. Ain't nobody picking in the golden one. Kings raising tickets. They just want your money. They just want your money. No! We should, though. We should. Win a game, they'll raise my tickets. And don't get me started on football. Look at a Niner ticket, what that's going for. Ain't nobody picking in the Niners. Ain't nobody complaining. You know what they're doing? They're paying. And it ain't just the Niners. I ain't picking on my Niners fans. My Raider fans are all jacked up. Got a brand new stadium. First of all, took our team from Vegas to Vegas. Built this incredible stadium. And it's $800 to sit in the last row of the stadium where you touch in the wall. Go, car! Fool, he can't hear you. He can't hear you. And you paid $800 for that ticket. And you're happy to be there. And nobody's picketing them. Nobody's, nobody's protesting the NFL, the NBA, or Major League Baseball. And they don't care that you can't take your family to a game no more for under 500 bucks. They don't care. But let me get up here and go, we're going to receive an offering. Oh, man, that church just want my money. Smarten up. How your neighbor smarten up? Miss me with that. You know you should be mad at Starbucks. You're a six dollar latte mocha loca, heavy cream. Got you saying Spanish words that don't even mean what they say. A grande ain't a medium. Come on. It ain't a medium. So I need to tell them. Can I have a ground day? Seven dollars. And nobody, you don't walk into work and they go, you give the Starbucks your money again? But the minute you start giving to something like the church that is doing good, yo, you don't have to give, you get to give to this thing. We're touching people all over the world. That's all right. Happy you clapping. I, you just showed yourself right there. We're touching people all over the world. We're being a light in South Sacramento. We fed thousands of families because of the people that give here. And you talking about, I ain't giving my money to that church. Come on, man. Wake up. Why is it an issue? Why is it an issue? We want our kids to have a good children's ministry experience. You got kids. And here's the thing. Be a part. There's no greater cause in the earth than the church of Jesus Christ. 
and you won't have to. Only place you'll go and you expect everything for free. And when it ain't free, you got to add a few. Try that when you go to lunch after you get out of here. And they bring you that check and you're like, oh, what's this? Oh, you just want my money. It's a basic human right. I should be able to eat. Why are you charging me food? You just want all my money. You know what they're going to tell you? Yeah, we do. Because I'm a waitress and I got kids. Yeah, the owner of this thing, yeah, he took out loans to put this on. So yeah, we do want your money. And we all did it. But the church, ooh, everything is just free. No, it is. What is it? You get to be a part of this. You get to be a part of this thing. I know you want to give towards saving the whales. The spotted owl. We're not saving the animals. No, we need to save souls. We need to save souls. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it should be on your heart to be a part of that. If it's not, you need a heart check. And that's my point. That's my point. It's not about the money. It's about where your heart is. If Jesus wanted to, he could have said, 50%, you give that to me. I'm saving your soul from eternity of misery. He doesn't do that. He goes, no, enjoy what I bless you with. Just break me off a little piece of that kick cap bar. No, I guess I can cap bar. It's my kick cap bar. No, no, just break me off the lips of that kick. Come on, you know it. No, it's my kick cap bar. I work for this money. Oh, who gave you that ability? Do you know where you would be without Jesus right now? In another relationship where they're beating you and terrorizing your kids? Do you know where that addiction would have you? Do you know what prison cell you'd be in right now had you not got a hold of Jesus? When we got this attitude, come on, man. Let's quit lying to ourselves. If you can't let go of the purse strings and give God what it is, you really ain't following him. You really ain't following him. Can you handle this today? Let's keep going now. Let's keep going. The tithe is so much more. I'm almost done. The tithe is about so much more than money. Here's what it's about. The tithe is about your obedience, which is love. Remember, obedience is love to Jesus. The tithe is about trust. Listen, I'm just like you, and I can write that check every week or month, and when I get paid, I see it, and I see that number on there, and I see what I could have did with that. And I see my bills, but you know what it costs me to do? God, I'm going to be obedient to you, and I trust that you're going to meet all my needs. That's what being a follower of Jesus Christ is. But see, we don't want to have to trust it. I got this, God. Let me just do all I got to do, man. Your heart ain't right. The tithe is about placing, here it is, God first. Did you know God, any other area in your life, if you ain't first, it don't work? Yeah, some of you got God, but he ain't first. And that's why nothing is changing. You're still miserable. You still have no peace. You still are fighting that addiction. But man, you watch what will happen when you put him first. It's the equivalent of taking batteries that are put in wrong and putting it in right. You're going to get power. You got the batteries. They just get in the right position. And you got God. You just don't got it first. The tie is putting in 
first. Amen? Let me, uh, let me, let me dip down and give you a couple more verses here and I'm done. So the tithe is a test to see if you truly trust God. The tithe is where it starts. It's 10%. Let's get it clear. This is the baseline of what God is saying as a believer of Jesus Christ. We, he needs He needs from you. Number one, why does He want us to have it? Because it's going to command your heart to continue to be with God. In 30 years of serving Jesus, whenever somebody backslides, the first thing they always do is stop giving to God. Stop giving to God. When somebody stops giving to God, their heart is drifting. Your treasure yokes your heart to where you want it to be. What does the tithe mean? The tithe basically it means the tenth. But the number ten, listen to this, it represents testing. It represents testing. We see that in the Bible. The ten plagues of Egypt tested Pharaoh. The ten commandments were given to Israel to see as a test would they serve God. Ten times God tested Jacob in the book of Numbers, or Israel in the book of Numbers. Ten times Jacob's wages were tested in the Old Testament. Ten days Daniel was tested in his fast. And in the New Testament, ten virgins were tested in Matthew 25. And in the book of Revelation, there are ten days and in your life and my life, the tithe is a test. Every week or every two weeks or every month, whenever you get paid and that check hits your account, it's time to take the test. Who has your heart? Where will your heart be? And I get it. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it, it's like, man, I can really use this right now, God. God knows. And in 30 years of tithing, God has always taken care of me. We didn't miss vacations because of tithing. We went on better vacations because of tithing. I didn't miss out on anything because I gave all my money to the church. No. The opposite happened. I was tested by the tithe. And when I send that check or I make that deposit into the church and into the house of God, I show God, God, you're first in my life. See, people that are prepared for the test, they ain't mad at the test. Guess who gets mad at the test? Y'all remember in high school, right? Oh, there's a test today! Oh, man! Some of y'all feel that same energy when it's offering time. And you receive another offering. Man, just prepare for the test. It's in the Word. Just do it. The book of Malachi comes with a promise. It said, if you put me first in the tide, see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that will not be contained. He said, if you give that tithe, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. That means I will cut off every car accident that could have happened. Come on, I'll make that washer last a little bit longer. Come on. That old washer you got, you just had you praying in tongues. Every time, put that soap in. 
make that car just go a little bit further. That's how it was for me when I went to Bible college. I had a car that ran on gas and tongues. I turn that key. Here it goes. All right, let's go. But it's a test, guys. It's a test. And if you're hearing this word that they've challenged you, that's no problem. Challenge is good. But if it made you mad, that's where that shows you where your heart is at. Guys, it's a heart issue. We gotta guard our hearts. We gotta make sure our hearts are following God. Jesus gives us the key, not because he's trying to take something from you, but as a warning, as a safeguard, that where your treasure will be, that's where your heart is going to be. I'm so happy you guys are serving God today. But I don't want you to not be here in a year, or two years, or three years. If some of you chose to walk away from him, if some of you got seduced by the world, I don't want to see that. You shouldn't want to see it either. Because, see, when something's precious to you, how many know you protect that? Amen? You protect that. You put that thing that's precious to you away. You guard that thing. You need to guard your hearts. Satan's coming for it. Satan's coming for it. We see it all the time. People coming to church for a while, but boom, now they're out. And you think it's not a big deal, but God, we're talking eternity. Hell is no joke. Hell is no joke. And eternity is forever. Well, I don't believe in hell. Well, you need to. Well, I just don't believe that God would send people out. God sends nobody to hell. Hell was not made for you and I. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. He gives us a choice. He says, choose life or choose death. And then he says, always you like choose life. Jesus is what we were created to serve. It's who we were created to serve. But you can be lured away in your heart. And guys, that's what giving is about. A big part of your, of your spiritual life has to do with your giving. you got to settle that. you got to settle that. It's got to be a part of like, well, this is what we do. This is how we get down. This is how we roll. When I get paid, this is what I do. I give to my God and His purposes. And here's the thing. My wife and I pledge, and this team, we pledge to be good stewards of every seed that comes here and use every seed we have to reach people, to provide an amazing house of God that is going to feed people, that is going to help people, that is going to pray for people, that is going to save people. If you ever see us doing something questionable, move on. I will. Until that day happens, you got to get all in. Because you're not giving to us. You're giving to God. Hebrews says that in the Spirit, Jesus is the one that receives the tithe. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the Word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store. And you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.